0: This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge their ongoing connection to land, waters, and culture. Colonization and genocide are ongoing processes that are still happening today. Sovereignty was never ceded, and this always was, and always will be,
1: Aboriginal land.
0: Welcome back to OzPol SnackPod, the podcast that's kind of like fruit juice. We're full of vitamins I, C, A, and C.
2: That's right, news fans. Welcome back to the podcast where two of Australia's foremost political nobodies serve you up bite-sized chunks of Australian news and politics with a side of crispy memes that also happens to be the official podcast of the OzPol shitposting Facebook group, which you should go and check out if you like memes, OzPol, and shitposting. My name is Zach Lesnack, and with me, as always, is friend, confidant, and member of my inner sanctum.
0: Hey, it's me, it's Noon. I didn't yell my name like a Pokemon this time. But I, our intro is getting a little unwieldy, Zach. There's a lot of bits of it. Um, it's true. But I don't mind too much, because all of the other podcasts that I listen to have extensive and unwieldy introductions as well. I just think it's a hard thing to do to introduce a podcast. Um,
2: yeah, look, you know, I think we, you get into a rhythm, right? Yeah. You know, it's it's just like, it's just noise at this point, probably. It's just letting people know, here you are, you, you have you've joined us. Open the
0: correct part of your we're, phone. We're, we're back again, yeah. you
2: know, you don't need to worry. It's the same old SnackPod that you know and love. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of loving SnackPod, yeah. we've got some new patrons this yeah. week. Thank you so much to Izzy, to Jesse, and to Ace, who signed up for a massive $13.12 a month. Fuck the cops. And thanks, Ace. And thank you, Ace, uh, which entitles Ace to a special limited edition snack pod enamel toasty guy pin, which they can wear around proudly on their clothing to let people know that, hey, I listen to an obscure independent Australian politics and news podcast where they make terrible food puns. Uh, if you, listener, would like to help us out financially, you can do so over on patreon.com slash OzPolSnackPod. Sign up for $1 a month, gets you a monthly bonus episode, plus other cool stuff at higher tiers, as I have just mentioned. This month, we
0: just released an episode, uh, our bonus episode, which is about dog training. Both Zach and I have uh, reactive dogs, as we talk about at the end of the show on our pup date, um, and we basically had an hour-long pup date about dog training. So if that sounds fun, you can head over there.
2: Yeah, get stuck in. But in the meantime, time for an aperitif.
1: Can I offer you one of these, sir? No, no, take it away
2: at once. Yeah, that's right. Superlative voice acting work. Thank you very
0: much, yeah. We we workshopped it quite extensively. I think more than any of our other stings.
2: Um... (laughs) We've got a new version coming next week as well. We never sleep here at Elspol Snack Snackpod, okay? We're putting we putting the rest mic. on our fucking laurels when it comes to six-second audio bits.
0: Nor when it comes to elections. Uh, it is election <laughs> time yet again. Um, that's right. It's the vote for Bird of the Year over at the Guardian Australia. Um, and, you know, this is an Australian politics, news, and memes podcast, and um, I'm not very well informed about birds, so what I would suggest if you have to vote in some I mean you don't have to vote, but if you're voting in something that you're not very well informed about, take the advice of someone that you trust. And so I followed the advice of Seri on uh, in Ospol Shitposting who suggested voting for an endangered species, um, because this is a great opportunity to give uh, you know, visibility to endangered species. Um these That's a great idea. Yeah. So I voted for the Regent Honey Eater, which is a critically endangered bird that uh now, only survives in a limited range inland in the eastern part of Australia. Um, it used to cover basically the whole of southeast Australia, all the way to Adelaide, including on coast. Um, and they're really badly affected by the recent bushfires. But the most tragic thing about them um, is that they're losing their songs. There aren't enough Aww. adult males to teach the young birds the complex songs that they have developed. Um, oh, that's so tragic. And so not only is that really depressing, sort of, in its own right, but it also is bad news because the songs are important for finding mates. The fan- it's, yeah. So it's thought that these simpler calls will reduce their chances of mating. Ah, um, oh, jeez. It's pretty fucked. Um, but yeah, that's we, grim. we donated- The least you could do is- Vote for them. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. But we, yeah, we also forked out a hundred bucks uh, donated to BirdLife Australia um, to support woodland birds like the Regent Honeyeater. So if you want to do that, I'll pop a link in the show notes um, to help out this cool, super endangered bird.
2: We love birds. Pro bird podcast. It's true. Um, Ospol bird yeah, pod. Yeah. Planting a flag now in firmly pro bird territory, you know, quote us on it.
0: Uh, our next aperitif is about the uh, the the submarine contract that we mentioned recently. You know, we we did that trout population story, um, which Zach, you should pitch an article to some newspaper about it. No one else has written nearly anything as good as the segment that you put together. But um, oh, very kind, Noon. No worries. the 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 fallout continues. Uh, here's a quote from the AFR article: The European Union has postponed for a month the next round of negotiations for a free trade agreement with Australia, and a move believed to be retribution for the cancellation. Of the $90 billion submarine contract with a French company Naval Group. Cool. Anyway, that's <laughs> all. Uh suck shit, Australia. Um,
2: <laughs> you did a bad job and now you're suffering the extremely predictable consequences of your silly, silly actions. Yes. Which ultimately could summarize basically any Australian foreign policy position mm-hmm. from the last like a couple of decades.
0: Alright, that's it for reperitifs. Let's move on now. Hey, man, I've got some more beers. Oh, I don't know if I can drink anymore. I'm feeling kind of sick.
2: No, come on. We're having another round of Coronas. Yes, so Corona continues uh, to virus uh, all over the place. Uh, Mm. It's bad. It's a bad situation. Mm. I'd say most people are probably familiar with that. But let's just, you know, over the last couple of weeks... 55% of the Australian adult population, 16 and above, is now fully vaccinated, which is cool. We're on track for 70% by late October. Also cool. Queensland, South Australia, Tasmania, the Northern Territory, and Western Australia have recorded no cases over the last fortnight. Amazing. That's all good news. ACT is experiencing what might be the beginning of an outbreak. They are recording double-digit numbers at mm-hmm. the moment, which, obviously, by ACT standards, is pretty significant. Large, yeah. Yes. Um. Uh, in New South Wales, obviously, numbers are still pretty high, but they're steadily trending downwards. Uh. You know, about a fortnight ago, we were looking at numbers in you know in, in like the twelve hundreds. Mm-hmm. Now we're looking at the eight hundreds, so that's good progress. Great. But obviously. As I'm sure everybody is aware, the big concern at the moment is Victoria. So we had a really big spike this week to over 1,400 cases on Thursday. The government is putting this down to grand final parties. They say that they've been able to trace 500 of the cases from that large spike to illegal grand final gatherings, which is a bummer. Um, I mean, there's still... It's a bummer, but there's still quite you know, that leaves several hundred cases that are not grand final yeah. <laughs> related. So yeah. Um and we're also seeing the continuation of outbreaks in regional areas like mm-hmm. Shepperton, which I believe has just gone into another lockdown, mm-hmm. and the Moorable Shire as well. So things aren't looking good in Victoria at the moment. They, you know, we're trending upwards um in an unpleasant way. And then today, we hit an all-time high of case numbers that also happened to be the Nazi number. Which... Yeah,
0: it's the least cool number. There's the sex number. There's the weed number. Great. Yeah. The when Nazi it comes to numbers, number,
2: number one is 69. Number yeah. two is 420. Yeah. And right down at 1 million is 1488. Yes. Which, um, if you don't know, I guess you can look it up. I mean, it's the 14 words and 88 and then, is H H Heil yeah. Hitler. Yeah. It's, ba- it, uh... it's not good. It, it's bad. And we I don't know why coronavirus has given
0: hospital... us- beds with ventilators for our corona cases
2: Jesus <laughs> Christ oh, <geez. laughs> um, As friend of the show Jess uh, tweeted uh, looks like the Nazis really got what they wanted which, yeah mm. um, So, you know, with these big spikes in cases in Victoria, people are obviously asking questions about the very large anti-vaccination protests that were happening uh, you know, uh, last week and so far, Daniel Andrews has said that there's no clear connection between these, you know, mm-hmm. this rising cases and the anti-vax protests. But he also said that that may very well be due to people just lying to contact right. tracers, which... Cool. Like, I, no! Do you think an anti-vax protester <laughs> would lie? Do you think they would do that? They would lie to a contact tracer? It's possible. Um, having said that... Fuck me. C- <laughs> having said that, the CFMEU headquarters has now been listed mm. as a tier one and tier two exposure site. Mm-hmm. The president of the CFMEU is one of four CFMEU workers who have tested positive after the protest, um, the anti-vax protest at their headquarters, uh, last week, hundreds of other CFMEU workers are isolating. The union is definitely blaming these cases on the protest, which like very fair, I would say seems <laughs> likely to be the case. Sure. Uh, And the other bit of news on that is that so far, two protesters who were at those anti-vax protests have tested positive to COVID, according to the health department. So, you know, it's not a super spreader event yet, but that's troubling, you know? Um, I'm not totally clear on whether or not they were positive while they were at the protests Mm -hmm. or whether it's, um, you know, they've been diagnosed afterwards. But anyway... I'm
0: pretty sure both of them have tested positive since then.
2: Right. Okay. Well, that's something that obviously everybody will be keeping an eye on yes, um, because it would be too juicy of a story to pass up if yep. it happens to be the case. Uh, that's it for the sort of general COVID mm. roundup. Noon, we have um, a more specific uh, COVID story.
0: Yeah, and a shitty one. Um, so earlier this week, the Federal Government's Royal Commission into People with Disabilities it has got a longer name than that, but whatever, they released a draft report on how the government's response to the pandemic has affected people with disabilities. Uh, And the report is pretty fucking damning, and uh, if you want to spend as long as you can stand getting really angry, uh, I strongly suggest reading it, and I'll put a link in the show notes.
2: Mm. Um, I love nothing but to feel my entire body vibrating with rage over policy decisions. That's why I do a weekly news podcast.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you should read this report, my friend. Oh, great. Um, Yeah. So the draft report finds the Department of Health failed in important respects. As a consequence, the conduct of the vaccine rollout, especially to people living in residential disability settings and disability support workers, was seriously deficient. The Department of Health made a critical decision in early March 2021 to give priority in the vaccine rollout to aged care residents over all people in residential disability settings. This crucial decision was made without consulting the disability sector and was not made public until six weeks after the decision was made. Mm. The failure to make this decision public meant that people with disability and disability representative organizations were unaware of the government's change of course until the decision was revealed to the Senate in April. During the six-week period, people with disabilities were misled into continuing to believe that the priority disability group would receive priority for administration of the vaccination in accordance with phase 1A of the vaccine rollout strategy. So
2: That's totally fucked.
0: <laughs> I actually, this literally happened to me. Um, I tried yeah. to get a vaccine, and my GP was like, uh, maybe not, um, maybe get a f- regular flu vaccine instead. Uh, and I'm on the NDIS, so I was included in this <laughs> phase 1A priority. we well,
2: just to back up slightly real quick. Yep. <laughs> Maybe just get a flu vaccine instead. Well, not there... like not instead. Instead, basically, if you well, feel what? like you need to get a vaccine, we've got the flu vaccine. I mean, they... come on, are we gonna well, split hairs?
0: <laughs> I was like, I'm disabled and I should be in phase one A, and they were like, yeah, but it's like mental health stuff, and it's not really. You're not actually... You know, it's not a real sickness, is yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> literally, yeah. Um, This is not my That's regular GP, by upsetting. the way, who was on maternity leave. Um, But yeah, it was pretty I'm annoying. sorry, that sounds shithouse. Yeah, dude. And I went and got the regular flu vax, and then by the time I was allowed to get the thing, it was delayed because I had to wait for the vaccine. Whatever, it doesn't matter, it was fine. I'm now double vaxed for the COVID. But my point is that I was like, cool, I'm prioritized for this rollout. I'll go and hmm. get it. And then my doctor was like, actually, no... Um, but it seems like that might have been because people with disabilities were taken out of the rollout that that phase without anyone, and that wasn't being communicated.
2: Yeah, to anybody. And so instead, I fucked. was just told it,
0: to get a flu vaccine. Uh, so
2: that's so cooked. Yeah. But also that this, like, you know, is, it was motivated by obviously the like COVID just ripping through aged care facilities, sure. yeah, which yeah, yeah, yeah. as we've discussed before. Was was also a policy failure. Yeah. Totally avoidable policy failure traceable back to the federal government Mm -hmm. and regulation of failed failure to regulate the aged care industry. This so it's like they're covering up their their mistake, which resulted in many people's deaths by putting another extremely vulnerable Mm -hmm. group of people at risk.
0: Well, the thing is that everyone has grandparents, but, most disabled people are lonely and isolated from the community and no one cares about them so
1: you know
2: it's I smell just good politics. for you
0: yeah yeah um so That's the main so upsetting yeah the main recommendation that this report from the royal commission uh draft report is that Uh, No state and territory should open up when we hit our 70% slash 80% targets Mm. until everyone with a disability has had an opportunity to receive a vaccine. And this is not a quote from the report. This is me editorializing because, but that's because otherwise it's just literally eugenics. It's like, well, you know, let's just let the disease rip through that other 20% of the population who are people with disabilities and people who... Don't have access to government services and homeless yeah, people. Yeah, absolutely. And,
2: like, yeah, well, that's it. I mean, I think that needs to be basically the first line of argument, discussion, consideration, mm-hmm. whatever. When we are talking about opening up, you know, yep. Yes, lockdowns have been economically hard, psychologically hard on people. But when we're talking about opening up, let's be really fucking clear about what that means. means... We are putting people who are not vaccinated at risk. Yep. Twenty to thirty percent of the population, and who does that? comprise of well an outsized number of people with disabilities for one thing
0: and people who are way more likely to end up in icu on ventilators and then die right like compared to the average member of the adult population which isn't to say that you know we should let it spread to random healthy adults either but like or able-bodied adults or whatever but like
2: um the dark sort of extension of that thinking is that a lot of people have been There's been a lot of conversation from uh, health experts warning, essentially, that an overloaded health system Mm -hmm. will mean triage, Mm -hmm. will mean medical professionals having to make decisions on which lives to save based on the likelihood that they'll survive. We know that people with disabilities are going to die if that happens. Yep. Yep. And so, yeah, extraordinarily, um, extraordinarily dark stuff. But it's it's you know again. This isn't a Corona specific thing, right? This is just, yeah, right. The the reason why these communities are vulnerable in the first place is not something intrinsic to the nature of disability. It's about how our medical and political systems treat these people. Yep. yep. And so they're, they're in that position before COVID happened. And that's why we're here now. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh yeah. I see what you mean about um, getting angry.
0: And that was just me reading one short quote. There's like a yeah. <laughs> 130 page long report, um, every inch uh, of work. which is just an excruciating amount of detail about all of the specific ways that this has happened. Yeah, it's quite bad. Um, but yeah, I would like listeners just hold on to that little bit of it's eugenics. Just hold that, mm. store that away in the back of your mind. It might pop up later in the show. So. <laughs> uh,
2: Look forward yeah, I mean, to that. Good, good summation of the story. Uh, anyway, time to move on. A-C. A-B. A-C-A-B. AB AC AB. Uh, haven't heard that sting in a minute, uh, which, uh, nice to bring it back in. Uh, so this week I wanted to talk about two groups of Queensland Police Service employees who are refusing to get vaccinated under a vaccine mandate that has been put in place by the police commissioner. Um, so. Wow. Thank you for your service. Oh, tell me about it. I, I'm at the end of the shit I'm out sprinting of them. to the end of my driveway right now to salute the shit out of these guys. <laughs> um Yeah, so the police commissioner introduced his mandate. Basically, all uh Queensland Police Service staff have to get one dose by the start of next week and have to be fully vaxxed by the end of January next year. Mm-hmm. Um and there has been yeah, but this comes with the potential threat of suspension with pay for one week if they don't comply and then suspension without pay beyond that if they don't comply more um, so one group of uh, and and i'm not not saying cops i'm saying queensland police service employees because not uh-huh, all of them uh-huh. are sworn officers or whatever right. you know it's there's you know a uh, uh, civilian staff basically and whatever, sure, yeah, exactly yeah. Uh, but many of them are cops as we'll get into so one of the one group of queensland police service employees are trying to get this uh, mandate dismissed in the Supreme Court, okay. arguing that the mandate breaches their human rights. Um, sure. Seems unlikely, sure, but okay. sure. And another group of around 50 um, employees, around 30 of whom are cops, uh-huh. have hired a lawyer who ha- is arguing that the mandate is discriminatory and breaches the award. Okay. Uh, he wrote that in a letter which was sent to the police commissioner. And that letter also demands a dispute resolution process and also says that you can't enforce this directive until the re- dispute resolution process has sure. been completed. So they're, you know, trying to buy time at this stage. Uh, and now just yesterday, in fact, um, a judge in that Supreme Court case has granted a 12-day stay on okay. penalties for noncompliance. So they, you know, it, it is an ongoing legal question at this point. Some of the cops have set up a crowdfunding campaign. They've raised over $100,000 for their Grace. legal fees. Um, incredible... Just the, like, the 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 grifter pattern just holds so true. You know, the recipe just never changes. Did Human rights, and... discrimination, crowdfunding. We, like...
0: should, we should set up a, a crowdfunder for, like, an anti-vax rights thing. We just need to make, like, three videos of us yelling. We'll be national I mean... heroes.
2: <laughs> M- many people are trying to make that... Yelling on YouTube might happen. Yeah. yeah. And some people are doing a great job. Here's a quote from a Queensland Police Service spokesperson The dynamic nature of policing means frontline officers interact with large volumes of people and move around to all corners of the state. It is important the Queensland community have confidence and feel safe when interacting with police. <laughs> Emphasis mine there. Um, <laughs> Yes. Hmm. a Very interesting, uh, theory about people needing to feel safe with interacting with, with police there. Sure. I can't think of yeah, anything yeah. else they could do in order to, uh, cultivate that in the community. Uh, but obviously like, you know, it's, it's clear to me this is motivated by, you know, in in large part by the fact that it's going to be a very, very fucking bad look for the force. If a cop ends up being like a coronavirus spreader. Absolutely. Like, here, have a speeding ticket and also a deadly virus. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's been some conversation about this in the uh, Ospol SnackPod Discord, which you can get access uh-huh. to if you sign up for our Patreon, um, which has been quite entertaining. But, you know, the general gist being that, like, cops really want you to believe that they're there for the mm. safety of the community, mm-hmm. and they're putting their bodies on the line in order to, so you can sleep soundly at night. At, like... Thin they blue line. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, thin blue line. They wouldn't even get a fucking vaccine. For you. okay. <laughs> a lot of jokes and, you know, about that, they want you to
0: think that they'll take a shot, but they're not even going to take a yeah, shot. Yeah, police
2: want you to think they'll take a bullet for you, but they won't even take a shot. I think yeah. that was Peter Blake, who we will hear from later in the show. Nice. Um, and, you know, obviously, like, cops spend a lot of their time interacting with some of the most vulnerable, mm-hmm. marginalized, and brutalized people in our society. It's obviously super important, you know, while they exist that they are vaccinated because otherwise they'll be extremely dangerous. The people they come into contact with are at high risk. Yeah. Uh, Dangerous in a new. Sorry.
0: Yes, of course they're already extremely dangerous, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. A new
2: and different way (laughs) to how they already are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And also note that this is consistent with high levels of vaccine Mm -hmm. hesitancy amongst cops, which has already been noted in the U S right. I found it difficult to find numbers on that in Australia, but I did find a news story from August this year Uh, saying how cops in Western Australia had only been about 50% vaccinated versus healthcare workers who had been about 80% vaccinated with both of those groups having had access to vaccines Mm -hmm. from the same date. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's obviously a big gap there. Um, And, you know, it's worth pointing out as well that this vaccine mandate doesn't just apply to cops, it applies to frontline health workers as well, but, you know, they haven't mounted a fucking legal challenge against it. Um, in general I definitely feel like this points towards right-wing conspiracist tendencies among cops. I for mean, sure, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like this is not surprising if you look at, you know, what the you know, how many cops were part of the capital riots in the States, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. Obviously mm-hmm. different country, but I think a lot of the same political forces hold true here.
0: Um, And the same personal motivations that lead people to becoming police and that also lead you to joining these other movements or whatever. Yeah,
2: That's right. Um, The other thing that was interesting that uh, I found while researching this is that this isn't actually the first vaccine mandate for cops in Australia that's been announced. New South Wales announced one back in September. Um, And New South Wales have to be fully, cops have to be fully vaxxed by the end of November. I think
0: also just like there's a bunch of workplaces that Mandate vaccines,
2: yeah. Like Qantas was one of the early ones. Yeah. SPC, well, not, not even not
0: not not for coronavirus. Just like you must have oh, a polio general... vaccine to work here or whatever. You know, like I think that's yeah. just a no. Really like common... HK workers
2: have to get the flu shot, I believe. In you know. Which there have been like legal challenges mounted to sure, that sure, sure, in the past, yeah. but none of them has succeeded. So right. it seems pretty unlikely because the 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 logic that the courts go by every time is 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 this a reasonable thing for an employer to request of an employee? And barring like some kind of medical exemption, the right. answer is almost always yes, I, yes. Of course it is. This is yeah. going to be for the good of the community. Get this vaccine. I think is the logic that most people who listen to this podcast can probably get behind. Um, this. Also kind of, you know, leads me into um, more broadly the Victoria is introducing uh, what I think is sort of the biggest government vaccine mandate um, that has happened so far. Right. Basically saying that any authorized workers who want to work on site have to be fully vaccinated by the end of November. And that's going to cover like a million workers. Mm-hmm, There's mm-hmm. a list of professions that this covers on the Victoria the, uh, on the vitgov website can't go through all in because there's too many it's everybody from emergency services and public transport workers to personal trainers pool and spa maintenance workers and national performing arts company dancing studio workers for the exclusive use of company dancers only um so great yeah just a couple of highlights i wanted to pull out there see in general i don't know i mean we haven't really talked about vaccine mandates on the show before Mm. there's this sort of ongoing public debate around them and there's only going to be more um i was reading today that morrison is going to be bringing some kind of vaccine mandate uh proposal to the national cabinet Mm -hmm. uh i think this week so there's likely to be a lot more conversation about this i'll be honest i don't have a super firm position on it, I feel kind of torn because yeah, of course, workplaces have to be made safe. We know that workplaces are major sources of transmission. And I believe that everybody should get the vaccine. Everybody who's not at some kind of medical risk Mm -hmm. for, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, if they, if they get it, which is obviously a, you know, vanishingly small minority of people. Uh, but you know, on the other hand, making it compulsory, uh, you know, we've seen how that massively inflamed anti-vaccine sentiment in the construction industry, for example, and sort of rallied people around that. And then we got these fucking riots for a few days. Uh, And I don't know the idea of people like losing their livelihoods as punishment Mm. Mm. is also makes me kind of uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but also, I don't know. Is this, is is, is, these, are these bullshit refutations? I mean, you know, (laughs) we do not talk about creeping state power when we talk about requiring people to use seatbelts when they right, drive right. cars, for example. Well, David you know, there's Lyon lots of things, does, but most of yes. you and I don't. What's yeah. next? A license to drive your toaster? Um, yeah. But, well, yeah. Um, and, you know, I think there's also the potential risk, you know, we're talking before about, you know, who hasn't been vaccinated yet.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, there are
2: there are not just, um, you know, many people who haven't been vaccinated aren't just anti-vax fuckheads. There are people who, you know, for whatever reason, you know, they they might be hesitant because they're not super well informed, or they might not have had an opportunity. Yep. that it might not have been able to get time off work. I think there is a real risk that mm-hmm. a vaccine mandate will uh, have an outsized negative impact on poorer populations. So, yep. I don't know. I, I I you know, I feel kind of divided about it. I mean, I I think basically mandates make sense for essential workers, a hundred percent people working in healthcare, people working in aged care, you know, food supply, delivery supply chains. Um, and while I wouldn't call cops essential workers, the government's aren't likely to take them off the streets at any time. Mm-hmm. So yes, mm-hmm. they should be vaccinated a hundred percent and they shouldn't be allowed to work if they don't have vaccines as far as everybody else. Um, I don't know if like a nationwide mandate is like the move right now. I sure. think, you know, well,
0: I think I, we're going heading towards hitting our targets and it's not going to be necessary. Um, it seems, that
2: seems fairly likely. Yeah. You know, we should get, you know, you were saying before noon that like, we're talking about opening up, but many people who are disabled haven't even been given the opportunity to get vaccinated totally. yet. You know? Yeah. And it's like, if, if people who would voluntarily get vaccinated haven't even be able, been able to do so of their own volition so far, then do we the need to introduce is not the... a mandate? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense yeah, to me. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a lever that needs to be pulled just yet, but I, I really... Look, I feel very torn, very confused. I feel yeah. like...
0: Look, I think that something that you and I come back to a lot is that a lot of problems could be solved with an adequate welfare system. And, right. you know, like, if vaccine hesitancy... Like, if if people could refuse to get the vaccine lose their job and still not be condemned to a life of poverty and humiliation and shame or whatever. Like, Yeah, that, that would be a different... Yeah. No,
2: totally. <clears throat> and, like, you know, if we were, you know, a lot of these sort of essential workers, as I mentioned, you know, there are a couple that don't seem to be super so essential, essential to the yeah. continuation of society. Yeah. Of course, everybody should have the opportunity to, you know, work if that's all that they can do in order yeah. to get the money they need to survive. But that shouldn't be the logic. The logic should be the government should be paying everybody who isn't absolutely essential to the continued running of society to stay home. And and, and we'd be having a very different conversation if that was the case. We
0: talked before about the financial incentives for vaccines and that there was Mm -hmm. some pushback against that. I think that's a completely fine option. I don't think it's like the ideal situation, but pay people 500 bucks per shot fuck it it's a lot of money and yeah. it'll be great for everyone Why not? and like but we don't i
2: mean but it's like we don't even have like a paid pandemic leave across the board no. we and don't even have and it's about to be cut when we hit the yeah, 80% exactly, single vaccine exactly. that,
0: that what existing payments are there yeah. are going to be cut so yeah no
2: but i think you're totally right you can't have these conversations about you know policy positions when it comes to vaccines without looking at it in the context of what the economic policy is surrounding it um and yeah, it's with a lot of these things. It's like you know, I'm not pro lockdown and pro lockdown in context. Yeah, pro lockdown given that lock-down everything else has been than fucked up. A pandemic, rather lockdown than than, than letting, letting it loose. It but of course, yeah. you know, lockdowns suck in many ways. Yeah, but yeah. so yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I'd love to hear people's thoughts on this. If Please. you want to send in a potluck or hit us up on the Discord or tweet us, whatever. Um, yeah, I, I think. It's, it's a tricky thing and I, uh, to, to to develop, like, um, a coherently leftist position on, I think. Mm. And I, I've, I I don't think that I've seen a super convincing, irrefutable position one way or the other. Yep. You know, I know of disability activists who have said, no, we don't need a mandate. Mm-hmm. Even though, you know, like, obviously, disabled communities are really uh, at really high risk right now. Mm. So there's, like, all, you know, there's lots to consider. Anyway, it really makes you dink. It really dinks your dink. You know what I mean? really puts yeah. the old
0: cortex in a vortex <laughs> yeah. um that might be a good transition to our potluck even though that's not next in our scaffold sure potluck where you bring the snacks so, uh, yeah i thought that was a good transition because uh last week i was like i don't know how to feel about this do any listeners have any opinions uh and someone did have an opinion um specifically the thing that i asked about was like left-wing entryism into groups for recruitment which i was kind of like is this i don't know is that a thing we should do it feels kind of shitty and manipulative but also effective uh thoughts and uh we have some thoughts from long-term listener and watcher of my twitch stream peter
3: hi noon hi zach peter here I heard you talk about Nazis infiltrating unions last time, and whether there was anything the left could learn from this. And I thought I could add something here, because I work for the Uniting Church, and churches spend a fair slice of their time thinking about how to spread beliefs effectively. The human rights around religion and political affiliation have some similarities, so I think what I know is relevant to politics as well. Both religion and politics are about deep convictions. They're about allowing space for different beliefs, but also allowing ways for people to change their minds. And they're about drawing strength from being with like-minded people. And incidentally, I don't think they're about carving out protected spaces for either religion or politics of particular types. Now, obviously there are better and worse ways to spread beliefs. So I want to acknowledge the church and individual Christians have done damage through evangelistic efforts. And I want to apologise for that damage, particularly if you listeners have been personally affected. Here are five suggestions for how to work within existing organisations to spread what you believe. Number one. Only join things that represent your genuine interests. This means there won't be any sense of infiltration or deception. You genuinely enjoy the thing. Whether that's speed running video games or um, speaking in Esperanto. Um, You are being you when you join things like this. Now, it's going to be different for each person. And if you can, take this beyond the virtual online. Online is awesome. But personal relationships are a bit easier to develop when you're face-to-face. Secondly, do good for your group. Be a good member in the ways that they expect. Obviously, if there are um, frictions between what you think is good and what they think is good, you're going to have to navigate them. But by being a good member, you're showing them, I'm not here just for what I can get, I'm here for what I can give as well. Third, be open but not pushy about your politics. You can talk about what it means to you and you can explain the links you see between your politics and the interests of the other group. Fourth, don't drop people or groups if you don't see progress. If you do this, the relationships will only see in transaction and people will naturally say, are you only in it for what you could recruit? Build genuine relationships and even if you don't get the change you want straight away, you might see it in a while and you've also belonged to another interesting group. But fifthly, realize there there'll be a cost, because we're in an era where joining things isn't normal. Lots of groups started, say, 30 or 40 years ago, are now looking for members. And being a member of a group takes effort. All those strange, weird people navigating between those relationships and the bureaucracy of the group. But I'm convinced that personal relationships and conversations are the best way to spread any kind of belief. I hope that helps. All the best.
0: Yeah. Thanks for that, Peter. Um, yeah. It's interesting. And I think that, you know, your point that you make about like only joining groups that you actually have an earnest interest in is a good idea. So like, even if you have this other thing that you want to try and reach out to people for that. Yeah, I, I do. I, I also appreciated that you like hedge the thing about religious evangelism and like, Yes, there are people who are spending a a lot of time thinking about this, but also they then don't always implement it in appropriate or respectful ways. Mm. And, you know, I think that's kind of what I was getting at last week, was like, as left-wing people, we don't want to trick people into supporting the cause. We want to connect with them on an earnest level and help just be like, but this is the least shitty way to make policy or whatever so anyway yeah i thought that was interesting um I, I still don't have a strong feeling about it but i i appreciate that you yeah sent in your thoughts and experience uh about that so yeah thank you very much and yeah. we love potlucks and yeah zach you were asking about listener thoughts for um vaccine mandate and i think that's you know please send it in because we we really like to know your thoughts um when we ask this stuff we we really do appreciate it
2: thank you thanks for that noon thank you for that uh peter yeah definitely hit us up if you got uh, some audio You want us to play? Uh, Noon, shall we move on? Yeah, please. Positivity Corner.
0: This is also our First Nations story. Um, And it's always sick when our Positivity Corner is also our First Nations story because they tend to be the positivist stories, Um, corners.
2: The ultimate combo. Yeah.
0: Uh, and indeed, this is some really fabulous news this week. The Daintree Rainforest National Park and three other national parks in Queensland have been handed back to the traditional owners, the Eastern Cuckoo Yalanji people. Um, Fuck yeah. yeah! So an agreement was signed this week that would see the management of more than 160,000 hectares of land, um, under the control of the EKY people and the Jabalbina Yalanji Aboriginal Corporation, which is... I don't, we've talked about Aboriginal corporations before, but they're the ones that are associated with the EKY people. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so there are these four national parks being handed over. The Daintree is the biggest and most famous. Uh, one of the negotiators who were negotiating for the Eastern Yalanji people, uh, a woman named Chrissy Grant, said that the deal uh, initially will share management with the Queensland government, but over time that'll shift to being solely managed by the traditional owners. Um, very cool which is great she said this our goal is to establish a foundation to provide confident and competent people and pathways and opportunities for mentoring training apprenticeships work experience and employment for our eastern uh, kuku yalanji bama which means people to fill hospi- uh, to fill positions from a wide range of skilled trades land and sea management hospitality tourism and research so that we are in control of our own destinies um, which is so cool and like such a good scope for this project right and like um you know i talked maybe a month ago about the uh yongnu sign handbook and the Mm. research that was done um by an elder um who's now passed away who organized heaps of these on-country jobs for Mm. Uh, the community, and it meant that people stayed there. It meant they were earning money there. It meant money was going mm. back. It meant the skills were being kept on country. The knowledge was being kept and and passed on. And so these yeah. sorts of like multifaceted approaches to land back and to land management that also include education and training are so good and so important. And these indigenous-led projects and yeah, that the management is going to be fully under the control of the Kowai people. So good, so much good shit.
2: No, it's fantastic. Yeah. and the, these are exactly the kinds of things you know that can help preserve environmental management yep uh traditional techniques that we know have a super positive effect mm-hmm. on the environment are you know going to be crucial to any kind of meaningful climate response yep uh on this continent so you know and as you say you know th- that that kind of uh just very, very obvious connection between like material security and prosperity mm-hmm. and land. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it, it, it kind of, it's so crucial here aside from, you know, obviously, you know, sovereignty yep. and the kind of the, like ethical spiritual... reason
0: that we might want to do it. That, yeah.
2: Yes. But that you know, that this, you know, this is going to have, so, the, this clearly as they, as they outline has such a strong, direct uh, material positive benefit as yep. well. Yeah, this is just uh this is great news and very cool. Yeah, I also just it's wanted to It's give... good news for the rainforest as well. It is, it fucking is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that yeah, that's a really big part It's good news for the it. land as well as uh, as well as the Eastern Kuku Yalanji people.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um I I, I did want to give a little bit of a middle finger to the Queensland state government who released a very self-congratulatory press statement about this. Um, but they're also, uh, going ahead with the world's largest
1: coal mine. So, fuck right off. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Also fuck off. That's the answer. Yeah. On that note. Shitpost of the week. And boy, uh, news fans, we got some news this week. Oh yeah. We- boy, do we get some news. How about that news?
0: It's really an Ospol podcasting dream story. And especially the day before we record as well, because it means that like We're it's, up on it's the fresh enough that like yeah. Yeah. It's already I'm sure out. there'll
2: be no developments today that will have this on our faces tomorrow, yeah.
0: Yep. Uh yeah, because Gladys Berejiklian, the premier of New South Wales, has resigned from her job quite dramatically.
2: Gladys Berejiklian? Lemon?
0: that's what i said yes correct yes, yeah right. that yeah that extremely hilarious food pun based on her name yeah um and uh, there's been some amazing posting about it so we thought we'd do a little gladys roundup um
2: i mean top spot has to go to yeah. financial review magazine
0: yes that's right uh the, the, which published a full length article about her um titled power and she's on the front page of the the magazine. Well, it's
2: I think it's like the list of the most powerful people. That's right. It sure, in yeah, Australia. Yeah.
0: And she was like number 1, I think. Maybe Pre- not.
2: why else would she be on the cover?
0: That's true. That's a good point, yeah. Um
2: yeah, I let my um subscription to the Australian Financial Review magazine lapse. Um so I actually Really, don't you're have such this an avid handy. fan. But um, I know. I know. I I'm I'm, I'm big on the economique um but Trout population yeah. and so on. But yeah, we did get yeah, a, you know a, a
0: good edit of this from uh longtime shit poster Morgan who um just made it Power Vacuum, which is obviously simple yet simple, effective. Classy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Short, short and sweet. Uh, enjoyed this one from Josh Andrews. Yep. The uh which has the, it's from the itchy and scratchy and poochie episode. Uh huh. It's a great um, episode. Gladys as Poochie. I have to go now, my planet needs me. She said flies away. Note. Gladys was c- convicted of corruption on her way back <laughs> to her home planet.
0: Yep. Uh, really uh, excellent. Uh, is it a watercolor pencil? Uh, looks I'm not like sure. pencil
2: work to me. Yeah. Um, at this low resolution, but I can't tell. Uh, from Ruji
0: Boring, of Gladys crying, and it says
2: Satis. Uh It's very good. Maybe I'll use that as
0: the cover image. It's very simple, good. Simple,
2: classic. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: and-, and, and we've got another classic from from long time shit poster extraordinaire Kira Um from which, beautiful, uh,
0: talented, and deadly. Should all go
2: follow from beautiful, talented, deadly. Yes, absolutely. Uh, two pictures of. Gladys looking sad and confused and the text, I have no idea what is going on. Seriously, people expect me to be on the pulse so I can meme about it, but definitely don't know what is what anymore.
0: Yeah. Which really represents my like Ozpol mindset from Sunday to Friday. And then about Friday, <laughs> me
2: and Zach have
0: a phone call and I'm like, Oh shit, I need to figure out what the fuck has been happening because I have a podcast about this.
2: Um, It does. um, It does happen. Occasionally people be like, well, I'm sure you've heard about this very specific thing that happened yeah, in local yeah. politics, and I'll be like... Did you hear that don't this know Western most Australian of the
0: words you said? council has <laughs> released a new report on... Yeah.
2: Um, so this one's Don't get Peta. us wrong, we want to know about we the do, local council but we, happenings in Western Australia, we just but we don't, don't already know. Before you. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, Yeah, uh, this one is Daniel Andrews standing in definitely China on the phone, and he's saying, it's time, get rid of her. Yeah, it's, it's good shit. That's a good thanks, one. Thanks, Bono. And
2: then, yeah, this the, this classic from, from Philip. Seemingly which is from The, the
1: Shovel,
2: uh, yeah. Oh, it's from the sh- the original from The Shovel. Okay, well, okay. Credit with a caveat. Um, it's a layup. layup but they've six. redone it like the New South Wales uh, Health Department official coronavirus numbers post, except that it says number of new premieres.
0: One, except that's not uh, quite right because it's we not don't actually have true. A Zero, yeah. new premieres, yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah.
0: It, it, could, it should just be NSW premieres and a zero.
2: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh, and technically Gladys hasn't even resigned yet because yeah, it's on Tuesday. The resignation I think, yeah takes place effect. when the spill happens anyway. So well, look, let's get you, into why it. Why don't we get into it? And before we do, let's play that sting. You fucked up. Which I think we can all agree, but you fucked up. Well, not all of us. Many journalists who work for uh, News Corp would take issue with that assessment of the uh-huh, situation. Uh-huh. But Let me take you back on a little bit of a, a journey through time and space before mm-hmm. we...
0: It's the only type of journey that's possible. <laughs> but I will let you take us on one.
2: Before we dive into current events... um Yeah, so I'll give a bit of the background and then I'll let let Noon sort of pick it up from the present day. But so people might remember that Gladys uh, Berejiklian was in the news about a year ago for ICAC stuff. She was called as a witness during... Sorry, Zach, what's ICAC? The the Independent Commission Against Corruption, which is the anti-corruption body in New South Wales. We do not have a federal version of this. Uh Um, Most states have one. um, But But the New South Wales one seems
0: to be the strongest one.
2: It is. Uh, There's lots of think pieces going around talking about how ICAC loves scalps and ICAC scalps another victim. Um, uh, Oh, Watchdog with Bite! That's another one that I saw.
0: That one's not too bad because it acknowledges that what they're doing is an important public service of identifying corruption and punishing people. It's like, oh, a scalp! Oh, fuck off
2: yeah no well the, the, i mean the ultimately i think the takeaway from this story is that most people including most journalists genuinely don't think corruption matters yeah at all, if they like a politician um, and we can get into that later but as for the backstory she was called up for this icac investigation as a witness um, this was an investigation into her secret ex boyfriend, member for Wogga Wogga Wogga, Daryl Maguire. This operation was called Operation Keppel. And so, After people might remember. The internet's
0: most accomplished Simpsons shit poster, Andrew Keppel.
2: Uh, I'm sure that that is the reference. Uh, we did a long episode about this when it happened, episode 70, Icing on a Cake, which was a uh-huh. slightly uh-huh. better pun than the one we had for this episode. But you might remember that Daryl Maguire had basically been into a whole bunch of shady shit, most mostly around uh, property development yep. deals and migration fraud. This guy was literally receiving envelopes stuffed with cash at Parliament House. Mm-hmm. He's like one rung down from receiving a sack with a big dollar sign on it. Like this dude was doing some absolutely flagrant uh-huh. state MP style crimes, corruption. Yeah. Uh, Which, you know, is the bread and butter of state MPs, obviously. So then it came out that Daryl Maguire and Gladys Berejiklian had been seeing each other secretly for at least five years and likely much longer. Mm -hmm. She was questioned about how much she knew about Daryl Maguire's corruption. And the answer seemed to me at the time that Mm -hmm. she very clearly knew that Maguire was doing a whole bunch of of, uh, you know, dub big corruptions as I've written in my notes, yeah, very but helpful. was carefully trying to main plausible deniability. There were all these like phone calls and texts that make it very clear that she like he's texting her about like oh, yeah. deals that hey, he's babe, doing. I was
0: thinking about doing some insider trading and she's like, I told you before not to tell me about that stuff. Yeah.
2: She was generally supportive, <laughs> supportive, but also saying things such as, and I quote, I don't need to know about that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Which is not, might... it's
0: not quite true. What it, She needs to not know about that. She should have been <laughs> more clear about that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I wish you hadn't said that. Is, yeah. Uh, Delete. That's it, the this message here. Now. Um, most of the mainstream media analysis at the time was that Gladys Beradjuklian was uh, just the victim of poor decisions in her love life. I mean, we've all dated a schlubby grifter. Yeah at one point in our lives, haven't we girls? So, you know, as opposed to, you know, a state premier dating a criminally corrupt colleague, whose shadiness she definitely knew about. Yep. Fucking whatever. But anyway, this week, ICAC announced that they are holding a further public inquiry as part of that same Mm -hmm. operation, Operation Keppel, at this time, into Gladys herself. Here's a quote from the ICAC press release. The commission is investigating whether, between 2012 and 2018, the honourable Gladys Berejiklian MP engaged in conduct that constituted or involved a breach of public trust. Mm-hmm. So, specifically, what they're looking into is two funding decisions uh, that were made in uh, both that were both made in Daryl Maguire's seat of Wagga Wagga Wagga, a five million dollar grant awarded to the Australian Clay Target Association, mm-hmm. which is a gun club. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in 2016 while Gladys was treasurer, and that was actually something that Maguire directly Sorry, wrote to Gladys. State treasurer, not treasurer. Of state the treasurer, play association. Right. Yeah, no, or of Australia, uh, New South Wales, uh, which is sort of in between those two. Treasurer, you know, <laughs> you've know, you got gun club, <laughs> New state South Wales, federal. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that five million dollar grant for that gun club was something that Maguire had personally written to her. Requesting, uh-huh. and the other grant that they're investigating is a twenty million dollar grant, which was given to the Riverenia Conservatorium of Music in twenty eighteen. This is when she was premier during the by election. Sorry,
0: that'll buy you a More couple tubas. of tubers. I said, yeah,
2: y- yeah, maybe two, two to three tubers. Yeah, yeah, uh, and this was during the by election that was triggered by Daryl McGuire's resignation, which was called for by Gladys when his corruption st- investigation started. <laughs> so in other words, they're investigating was she pork barreling in her secret boyfriend's seat mm-hmm. first for his political gain and then for the parties. Right. So this inquiry is going to go for 10 days. Uh, it's going to be over video link and we should get some nice juicy, choppy clips of people admitting guilt on zoom, which is always fun. Right. Um, and there's your backstory. There's, there's the groundwork laid. ICAC Look, announces so, Zach, this, and wh- then...
0: While we're speaking of... Um, well, not we're up to this in the plot line, but also you just mentioned choppy Zoom videos, and you found a little bit of audio that you wanted to play, uh, and this might, I think, be the right moment for it.
3: So we will be recommencing at 1.30pm, and, uh, um, and again, i remind members that the live feed will be continuing throughout that time. So yeah, mate. that window into your household... I would suggest mute, and um, yeah, but she's um, going to resign at one o'clock.
2: I no, we're still on a live feed, so that was probably a um, um again, I recommend we place it on mute and um, and and turn off the camera, and we we'll recommence at one thirty. Yeah, so if you didn't catch that, that is uh, a New South Wales Liberal MP um, accidentally revealing Gladys's resignation on a public live feed. Hours before it was supposed to happen.
0: But also he interrupted David Shoebridge, who was in the <laughs> process of telling people to turn off their mics because turn they're on the a live off. feed. And he interrupts <laughs> to be like, Oh yeah, and she's gonna resign at one o'clock. And David Shoebridge is like, Yeah. So as I was saying,
2: yeah. <laughs> you might want to keep live. your mic off. Mics is <laughs> still on But yes, that uh Yeah, so that was I think maybe the first Public mention of Gladys's resignation, which is very funny. But it yeah, is. so ICAC announced that this investigation was uh, going to happen, and then a couple of hours later, Gladys she fronts up to the media.
0: Yes, that's right. She fronts up to the media to announce her resignation as premier and also from the New South Wales Parliament. So she's like gone the double, gone. yeah, yeah,
2: the double Gladys. Yeah, her resignation speech is very... uh, The critical pundits love to analyze resignation speeches. And they were like, oh, classic pugnacious Gladys Uh spoke with a strength of character that she has carried through her entire term. Essentially, her speech was like, look, I'm resigning, but I don't want to. This is all bullshit. I'm guilty of nothing. Also, people have already attacked me over this, which, like, okay, does it mean... No one's allowed to do it anymore. Yeah. Um, and then she also complained a bunch about the timing. Yes. She well, was like, what, this she is was, the worst possible moment for she, it.
0: She was basically saying ICAC is doing this Specifically, to fuck with me, and that they should have delayed this investigation until after the pandemic was like dealt with. Um, which I'm is sorry, like you
2: just don't get to decide the timing of your own corruption investigation. I <laughs> mean, if
0: she's <laughs> been a little bit better at being corrupt, she might have, but yeah. Um, but I think it's interesting that she's desi- uh, decided to resign so hard. Um, like mm. she could have stepped down from her position. Um and stayed in Parliament. Or she could have said, I'm stepping down as Premier, and once my name is cleared, I'll go back into the role or whatever. And so why is she resigning so hard? The obvious answer is she knows that ICAC is going to absolutely destroy her, and she's trying to cushion the blows, which I think makes sense to me. The other answer which makes sense to me, which um, shout-outs to friend confidant and rolled gold member of our inner sanctum coot for this bit of analysis that she's completely fucking tired and wants it all to stop um which coot pointed out like makes sense with the i'm not gonna do press conferences anymore sort of thing you know like mm-hmm. she's clearly been kind of winding down her energy levels for a while in terms of yeah and like
2: I can see there being a sense of relief and being like, oh.
0: Daniel Andrews (laughs) reckons he's not going to contend the next election. Sounds like it's a pretty fucking exhausting time to be a leader, but
2: yeah. Yeah, I don't know. They say a lot of things.
0: They do say a lot of things. Yeah. Anyway, just food for thought there. But the actual reasons that she gave also at least make sense whether or not they're the whole story or you believe uh, yeah they're at least plausible which is better than the average politician explaining their actions you know so oh i don't know where i got this million dollar bag of
2: cash yeah um yeah so i definitely didn't draw the big dollar sign on sharpie on the front anybody who says otherwise
0: is getting sued for defamation yeah Um, So the first thing is that she forced other ministers in her government to resign from cabinet and move to the crossbench, um, and so she's doing the same thing. And technically, I think this makes her a much more ethical leader than Scott Morrison, which I guess on some level was never really in doubt, but it's impressive (laughs) to be resigning due to a multi-million dollar corruption scandal and still be more ethical than the prime minister of the country uh, in terms of your, like, leadership. So,
2: I mean, there is no federal ICAC that could yes. motivate Morrison to do this, but even if there was, it's extremely difficult to picture him voluntarily stepping down on his story. Well, today. he's
0: just refused to make any of his ministers stand down for anything. Like, Christian yep. Porter... Yep. It was only this multi uh, the the million dollar anonymous donation that did it. And there's been yeah.
2: and much he's not, worse you know, things. He'll be than, back.
0: He'll be back. And you know he'll be back in the ministry. It's yeah. because well, one of the reasons is they have a one seat majority uh, or no seat majority potentially. So like he kind of on a, a political realism kind of level, like sort of can't. But like he showed mm. it fucking anyway. But anyway, so but Gladys has actually done that, and she's doing it. F- to herself, so good for her on that level. Um, I guess. I mean, I mean, I'm still not in favor of her. I'm in favor yeah, well, of her it's resigning. Like you sh-
2: the bare minimum of of being accused of major corruption as a politician should be to step, step out down. of
0: the leadership role.
2: Yeah, and she has done that. It's just which that, is way know, better than fucking to...
0: anyone else has done. It's a low, you know, low bar, and
2: she has. There's a relative sailed level of integrity it. in corruption. <laughs> yeah present here that would be absent in a... Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the other thing that she said is that she thinks this is going to drag out a lot, and she wants the new leader to have basically as clean a slate as possible, and that also makes sense to me. The people of New
2: South Wales need to know who their leader is. Yeah. They need to have clear leadership in this time of crisis. Yep. And also, I never... I didn't do it.
0: It it wasn't me, but also... This is the action of someone who definitely didn't do it. (laughs) Resigning from my job. (laughs) Resigning from my other job.
2: (laughs) It's because I'm too upstanding. It also happens That's happened... basically what her reasoning was. It
0: is, yeah. Within like a couple of hours, that's a very fast turnaround for making a decision to end your career.
1: But...
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's does it's like you know The hearings last year were not good for her, yeah, but she came out relatively unscathed, like, in, in terms of media commentary, and will do, and is doing so again. Yeah, right.
0: yeah, everyone is like, so impressed with you know, her.
2: Yeah, but, like, what they're, you know, they've come back basically with new things to investigate. It's yeah. not just about her proximity to this corrupt guy, whether That's or right. not That's right, she was a witness about...
0: before, basically, and now she's exactly. the target of the investigation. Actually, so. the
2: subject. Yeah. Yeah, so, clearly there's, like, a, v- she... Understands that there's a very credible chance that she's going to be exposed and sent uh, to jail doing yeah. big bad corruption. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what does this jail? You reckon? You reckon jail time's in the offing?
0: I don't know the details of the story it's well days. enough. Yeah, it's early days. But like, ICAC sends people. I to genuinely jail. don't
2: even know if this if this stuff that if this stuff would. Does he even potentially jail a criminal? Right. No, no. No. I yeah.
0: also don't know, but I'm pretty sure ICAC has resulted in jail time for mm. former politicians. So yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, I, I thought I'd put on my you know um, political commentator hat. Um, it's a nice hat. Thank you. Yeah, um, and make a couple of predictions uh, about what this means for the future. So one is that there's a there's going to be a by-election. Um, in the seat of Willoughby, which is Gladys' seat, which is a extremely safe uh seat round Chatswood in Sydney's inner north. Um, it's a twenty one percent margin for the Libs, so pretty unlikely yeah, to right. change. No announcement on candidates as of this morning. Um, it reminded me a bit of the Wentworth by election, which is the one when Malcolm Turnbull resigned and the independent Karen Phelps won with a twenty percent swing away from the Liberals. Um, and although I'm very hopeful that's what's going to happen it seems very unlikely because for one thing Gladys is and I'm using the heaviest quote marks here that I can but see also the media being on her dick mm. popular and effective um, and generally has like the support of her party and so on uh, whereas Turnbull was like a traitor a hypocrite spineless like no, no one liked him he was also like a very wealthy man and like Karen Phelps, who is also well off, but like, you know, there was this like movement of renewal and like moving away from Mm. the, the, the shitty toxic masculinity of the liberal party, which obviously I think won't be sort of part of the narrative here. So yeah, I think we're unlikely to see any kind of real upset. I think it's just going to go straight into whichever liberal party monster gets parachuted in, so that's a bit disappointing, but that's my prediction there. The other thing is about the next premiere, Um, and... We don't pay a huge amount of attention to New South Wales state politics, Zach. Uh, we were both surprised to discover that they had replaced the leader of the L- Labour Party a couple of months ago. Um,
2: <laughs> that was a surprise. It yeah. was a
0: surprise, yeah. So I don't know these people. I'm only repeating what I've been hearing and reading. But uh, basically, there are two main options. One. I
2: mean, what is analysis? Come on. That's
0: right. We've never pretended to be journalists. Uh but yeah, so there's, there's basically two options, one from the conservative faction and one who is apparently unaligned but is basically a moderate. Um and the the the, the most likely replacement is the current treasurer Dominic Perette who is seems like a really shit dude. Um yeah.
2: he's he's like a Trump supporter. He's apparently Climate a member denier. of the Opus
0: Dei. Uh, oh, that uh, that clears it up. Well, he he at least went to an Opus Dei school. I haven't been able to confirm that he's actually a member of the church now. But also, shout-outs to Coot Cootle again for a suggestion for a bonus episode about about the Illuminati. So maybe we'll do that sometime. Uh, yeah, and as,
2: I, I think he's... Featuring still- Dominic Perrottin. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, we think, uh, I think he's the leader of the New South Wales Conservatives faction in the Liberal Party. Um, and he's just the absolute fucking worst. So here's this, like, nausea, a quote from a nausea inducing article by Tony Boyd in the Australian Financial Review, who's just been knocking it out of the park this week. Just <laughs> one after the other, Smet, smet. three point <laughs> line. Yeah. Um,. So, here's this quote. Gladys Berejiklian leaves Australia's largest and most diversified state economy with a long list of challenges that will require the sort of rapid reopening philosophy espoused by Treasurer Dominic Perrottet. Perrottet was against Berejiklian's lockdown of the construction sector in July. His common-sense approach to balancing the health and safety of New South Wales citizens with economic priorities makes him the best person in the Liberal Party to replace Barrett Jicklin. So remember how I told you to store away that little eugenics thing from the start of the show? Here we are. This is, like, he, the, the first thing. He's like, you know... It, he's an anti-lockdown Gla- guy, yeah. Gladys is gone. It's really lucky that we're getting Dominic Perrottet because he is going to let the virus just rip Ripping through. Just, just rip through the population.
2: <laughs> This is, like, a small gripe, but, like, there's already this sort of twisting of the narrative to make Gladys look like this innocent victim of the horrible, big, bad bullies at ICAT. But if what happens is that Perite comes into power to replace (sighs) her, immediately opens up, the state experiences a huge spike in corona cases. Everybody's just going to be beating the drum of, we never should have let them take Gladys. We were safe under Gladys. Look what happened when we got rid of Gladys. Okay, I feel like and I can just see it so clearly in front of me. There's like a
0: uh, Domino's meme, you know, the, the tiny Domino, <laughs> and the first one is like um, an eight-year-old Daryl Maguire- uh, goes clay shooting with his uncle and then the big domino is like more than one million cases of coronavirus in new south wales
2: <laughs> several of those middle dominoes include uh, daryl mcguire running over electronics with a tractor well. <laughs> that's right <laughs> uh,
0: it's a real stand-up bloke anyway so so that's um that's other stand-up bloke dominic parrottet um, some people are saying that he made a deal with the moderate faction big boy, Matt Keane, um, to get some moderate faction votes to get him in the job. Um, apparently- That's an
2: official elected position. Big boy. The pie, correct. The yeah, big yeah. Boy,
0: no, yeah. I, I- Two capital Bs. I typed and deleted and retyped and deleted the word warlord, because that's <laughs> what every article uses. I mean, uses. you're in
2: pundit mode. I do have my hat hey, what, on. Okay, how, how about this one? Kingmaker.
0: Ooh nice yeah. yeah yeah that's
2: the other one that yeah. they love and apparently one of the other big kingmakers in the liberal party is police minister david elliott shirt fronter of teenagers and
0: <laughs> noted person of wanting his children to be strip searched
2: wielder of illegal weapons upside down
0: <laughs> while with police yeah
2: um these, these are the people making kings within the liberal party <laughs> don't go to an illegal gun range and don't even know how to hold the weapon. Like, uh, yeah, no, and impersonating a police officer. Sorry, he's so funny. That guy,
0: Kingmaker. Yeah. So the other main candidate is Rob Stokes, who is apparently not factionally aligned. Uh, who seems personally quite popular and generally considered fairly competent. Oh yeah, they're in this like glowing masturbatory piece about how good it's going to be when Parate kills a lot of people in Sydney. Um they were like uh of course many people who have worked with him consider him disorganized, which might be thought uh, you know, a downside in the top job. It's like that could be a problem. And it's like, oh yeah, Rob Stokes, you know, he's very well organized. Obviously he's a great, you know, hard worker, very competent, but you know, he's not in a faction, so fuck him.
1: Yeah.
2: Um Yeah, that, that, that's true. Can I also point out here that they're <laughs> And it doesn't really make a difference to anything, but there's a bit of an age gap between these two guys of somewhere between 10 and 15 years. The only reason I bring that up is because it's just occurred to me that Perrottet is a fucking pickle boy.
0: Have he is. Oh, I have. He's a total he, pickle boy. He's, he li-
2: he's so... He's, he is sopping wet. He's 80%
0: Adam's apple. Um, he's
2: just... Ju- he's juice and Adam's apple. That's it. And hair gel and glasses. That's it. <sighs> He's a fucking Trump-supporting popsicle stick in a cheap suit. It's not looking good, Gladys. You know, no, we would not like Gladys. We're not Gladys fans. No, but the, the like the possibilities for her replacement are bad. I think that's <laughs> there's some analysis for it.
0: Nice, nice analysis, Zach. I love that. I put yeah. on
2: my mm. pundit hat.
0: All right, there you go. I. My last little matching pundit, hats. pundit detail about this is that Sportsbet is paying 1.25 to 1 on Parate and 3.75 to 1 on Stokes. So I put the remaining five bucks in my account on Parate and like $2 <laughs> and a bet back on that. It'll be great.
2: That's analysis you can take to the bank. This is how much Moon believes in, in, in his own analytical skill uh-huh. as a pundit. Um... Yeah, look, I mean, j- just to kind of wrap it up here, I-, I wanted to come back to this theme of what the sort of media yeah. response has been to this, this idea that, okay, uh, th- th- this sums it up. I've got a tweet here from Sherry Markson, who is somebody that no one should listen to for any no, reason absolutely. other than to take the temperature of what the far right mm-hmm. in uh, media landscape. Uh, what, what what What's their line on this? And this is what she tweeted. Lynch mob takes down yet another leader. ICAC has left New South Wales rudderless and has robbed the people of a popular premier at a time of crisis and uncertainty. A law unto themselves, well, ICAC is, that is addicted true? to the power and publicity of the bombshell political... what? Scalp! Oh! hey
0: There it is! There it is. Okay, so... I mean... Look, I feel like if this were true... You or I might know any of the people who run ICAC. If they were, like, (laughs) power-hungry, addicted-to-the-media moment, just, like, wanting to get those scalps on their belt and show off their big, swinging, anti-corruption dicks, you or I- Like, I literally don't know the name of the commissioner, um...
2: No, and I read it several times today and I couldn't tell you. So, like... Yeah. They're not inglorious bastards. No. Okay? No. They're, like, they're an... They're, it's like they're a retired judge or something. It's watchdog. Like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. And can I also say here that this implication of lynch mob, which, by the way, gross. Yes. Fucking disgusting uh-huh. use of language there. Not, expect nothing less She also puts them in
0: inverted commas to indicate that she knows that it's not an appropriate...
2: Or like oh I'm quoting I'm quoting someone else like shut up shut the fuck up but you know it's like the Lynch mob takes down yet another leader as if like there's been some kind of concerted media campaign to unseat her no. the media has been nothing but... Literally boring. the day she
0: resigned there was a piece about her being the most powerful person in the country like
2: <laughs> she was on the front page of everybody's favorite financial magazine Australian (laughs) financial review magazine (laughs) here's a you know like here's Sherry Markson's lynch mob okay here's two here's a couple of headlines these two are from the Australian Uh curse of ICAT claims COVID crusader Gladys Premier brought down by her questionable choice in yeah it was
0: the questionable choice in lovers and not the 25 million dollars that she Scammed the country we've out all, of
2: we've all dated we've all had a bad boyfriend, right, girls? Here's one from news.com.au Gutted Australia reacts to Gladys Bombshell. Oh, and
0: here can we do different like, from- Gladys Jaeger <laughs> Bombajiklian? It's fine, I get it. So. <laughs> <Not bad. laughs>
2: uh and and lastly here from the Daily Telegraph. Why did ICAC make its decision to investigate Berigiclian a week before reopening? Again and that actually that article is hilarious. It also included the line parochial hillbilly states, referring to other states like failure to reach New South Wales's level of uh vaccination, which like you may recall that the federal government had quite a large hand in delivering extra doses to New South Wales, so But also the
0: idea of anyway parochial hillbilly states like it's so funny. <laughs>
2: What are you talking about like these people? We've only got a, noon. F- a
0: few, you know. Like there's, there's not enough. For the- <laughs> they're big. They can't be per. <sighs> <laughs> so
1: <annoying.
2: laughs> per- protecting your many millions of citizens. Anyway, I'm not sure that you could classify the media response as a lynch mob. No. More as like, yeah. Th- there's this like, oh. It's so sad that this, like, little tiny accident has tripped up an otherwise squeaky clean paragon of virtue. Like, fucking pull the other one. You know, I can understand not being excited about the people who are coming after yeah. her. Yeah.
0: But, like, But like, I think you and I are probably more upset about Perite than Shari is, and, like... We still think that you should 100%.
2: prosecute corrupt state premiers whenever you get the chance, right? Like, <laughs> well, that's the thing. It, Basically, you know, all of this shows that it, I mean, the media and and it seems that people at large don't really give a fuck about corruption. If you are to believe the. Um, the quotes from random members of the public that news.com.au uh-huh, publish in their uh-huh. article where people are like, oh, she was just the best and I miss her so much already. It's a weird parasocial relationship like... to have, guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, people are weird about Andrews as well and that's also that gross is and creepy. gross and creepy. Neither of which is as gross as the love for um, Daddy Mark McGowan, which always, I don't know, that one always freaks me out the most. I'm glad no one's really um,
0: horny for Scott Morrison.
2: That is something we've managed to avoid. Yeah. That's positive. Um, yeah, there's, I think it's just, there's this perception of corruption as just this, like, oh, it's a little whoopsie, it's, and it's immaterial when you look at how good she is at her job right, otherwise. Right. And All this, like, chat about, uh, oh, the timing of this, the timing is so bad. It's like, well, they shouldn't really do a corruption investigation when she's doing well. You know, she's doing a good job. Sure, maybe if she starts to do a bad job, you can investigate her for corruption. Right. Well, who gets to make that fucking decision? Okay, let's take your premise to its logical conclusion here. At what point is it reasonable when we get to COVID-0?
0: Another fucking article to to pitch.
2: (laughs) I mean, you're making me out to be some kind of um, political journalist, which I think we both agreed (laughs) is not a real thing.
0: Alright, should we uh, call it down with our journalistic analysis that journalists do about I, I, news?
2: I think that's probably good. If you, you want a
0: podcast, you gotta, gotta do a lot of shit. shit. But it's not, not technically
2: podcasting. podcasting, you still gotta do that shit. Please
0: follow us on all the social media and share us with your friends and family. Uh, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. Those are the ones that we're on. Please also, if you like the show a lot, you can support us on patreon.com forward slash Snackpod. And for $1 a month, you get access to our Discord, a monthly bonus episode, and at higher amounts, you get other cool shit, and we'll love you forever. So that's obviously a plus.
2: And also leave us a review. Please leave us a review. on Apple Podcasts we haven't had or any, anywhere else.
0: had any reviews for a minute. We love them. Yeah. Please tell us that y- yeah. you like the show. Um, if
2: you listen to us on Spotify, hit the little uh, subscribe button.
0: And uh, please come watch me play games on Twitch. Uh, Twitch.tv forward slash NoonPlaysGames playing yeah, three ga- days a week at the moment, uh, reading reading books,
2: talking shit. Come it, along. It's true. Right. Now it's time for a pop game. Nice work. Tight podcasting business machine. Yeah. yeah
1: uh you got any updates? dates
2: uh oh, i'm not sure that i have like an update on dante's life exactly um what can i say i i had a reflect i was reflecting on when i was out walking the other day I and mean, we've talked a lot about how our dogs are reactive mm-hmm. when you're out walking a reactive dog you need to be like hyper vigilant mm-hmm. of everything in the world because you never know what's going to be the thing that sets your dog off um and dante has kind of like a radius within if a dog comes within that radius that's going to set dante off and he's going to yell and strain it's going to be a whole unpleasant situation so basically i have to keep this like imaginary Mm -hmm. 20 meter buffer between dante and any other dog and i was just thinking to myself the other day as i was like you know I like crossed to the middle of the road to avoid yeah, yeah, the yeah. nature strip. And then a dog was coming from the other way. Uh, so I had to cross back over and double back yep. and then kind of diagonally cross between two dogs coming either way. And I was like, I'm actually pretty good at this. Yeah. It really I did be to like Dante. That. And I was like, <laughs> I said to Dante out loud, I was like, this is chess. You don't even know what's going on. Yeah. And he was, you know, he's not barking. Everything was good. And I was like, this is a completely non-transferable <laughs> skill that I have spent years developing uh, and mm. it was, yeah, it was just very funny.
0: It's very true. No, I mean, I, I actually had a pretty intense one of those the other day as well. Cause it's the same thing, you know, um, there were a bunch of kids on one side of the road crossed over, immediately saw two small white fluffies. So we crossed, we just walked down the middle of the road, but at a rate that yep. always kept a car between us and the yes. dogs. And...
2: Oh, the, the car buffer, the car barrier, yeah. crucial technique. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, it's good. And I, you know, I often go walkies with my housemate, especially cause of lockdown and you know, then. A good opportunity to, you know, be out of the house. And um, having someone else on the walk normally really helps. But if if someone goes too far away, if they join us and then leave, I don't know if Dante does this, but Bagel will freak out. So, like, if we drop yeah. someone off at the train station or whatever and mm. then keep walking, he will spend keep the next, squally. like, three blocks being like, oh, shit, I've lost one of my cows that i went on a walk with i was supposed to be keeping an eye on them it's it's gone now he'll be like looking over his shoulder straining to get back like pretty much like sometimes we'll like fully turn around and like walk backwards like (laughs) uh, that's a bit of an exaggeration but he'll be like walking sideways like trying to look behind him and walk the opposite direction but poor little guy so worried um but uh so if we have the housemate with us and close by they're like a second barrier so they will go mm. on the outside. So, you know, we'll have Bagel between us. And then he's like, okay, I've got mm. I've got bodyguards on both sides. It's great. Um, but then if they, like, walk off slightly, it becomes a huge disaster. So it's like uh, a, yeah. yeah. It's a fine line. It is. It's
2: always a fine line. Yeah. Very fine line to walk. Um, mm.
0: I mean, that's a bit of, a, that's probably enough of a pup tip. But I, I want to try introducing Bagel to more new dogs. So, listener, this is a call out. If you have a well-behaved dog who walks well on leash, and you live vaguely near the west of Melbourne and want to go on a slightly stressful walk with me and Bagel, please get in touch over on Discord or send me a message on Facebook or whatever, because, yeah, I'm trying to to find some more dogs for him to slowly get accustomed to.
2: Well, that's an offer that few could receive. Few could
0: refuse refuse. i'm sure yeah <laughs> that's
2: what i was looking for cool all right well
0: i think it's gonna do us um
2: yeah uh, i told you it was gonna be a long one yeah you were right yeah not, not too much flab hopefully i feel like the gladys conversation got a bit flabby all right. but that's you know yeah. that's all. i feel
0: like there might be a lot of editing to do
2: Uh, eh, it probably won't be that bad cool um yeah, I'll just play some Tetris and have a coke. Should be sweet. Nice. All right. Take it easy, everybody. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll catch you next week for more Ozpol Snack Pods. Uh, Keep on snacking in the free world.
0: Fuck Daryl Maguire, Crunch Crunch.